Jesus, my place, my place. Luke 15, 31 says this, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Everybody say, I receive it. Father God, in Jesus' name, we're sons in your kingdom. And your word says, son, you are always with me. And oh God, I pray that this revelation would come. All that is mine, all that heaven has to offer, all that is in heaven is yours. So Father, we pray this morning in the name of Jesus that we would receive the fullness of what you're bringing us into this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. You can be seated this morning. As you're being seated today, as I said, the title of this morning's message is My Place. We talked about being homeless. We talked about being fatherless. And in the midst of homeless and fatherless, we often are searching for our place. Where is my place in the home? Where's my place in the house? And we got to remember throughout this series, the one thing we're emphasizing is this. People are not projects. People are not projects. People are people. Amen? You are not an alcoholic. You're a human being. Come on, get with me. You're not the depression person. You're a human being. You're not the drug addict. You're a human being. You're not a prostitute. You're the human being. You're not a religious zealot. You're a human being. Come on. You're not bound by complacency. You're a human being. You're not the financially broke. You're a human being. People are not projects to be fixed. People are people to be loved. And when we will love people with the love of the Father, I believe the problems will get fixed. Amen? I believe that, that many times the isms and the oppressions and the things that we're dealing with are products of homelessness and an absence of the Father's love. And if the Father's love can show up, I believe the isms and the oppressions and the religious things begin to fall away because the love of the Father is in this place. And so that's the heart of this, this, this series is that we realize people are not projects to be fixed, but rather people to be loved. And if we're going to love people with the love of the Father, there's got to be a safe environment, and that environment is home. Home is where the presence of the Father is. Home is where the presence of the Father is. So we don't want this to be your church. We want this to be your home. And we pray that you would call it this year your home, and next year your home, and for decades to come. This ain't my church, this is my home. It's where the presence of the Father is. This is where I can kick my shoes off. <laughs> Remember that? I'm not going to make you do it. This is where I can turn to my neighbor and play thumb wars. <laughs> Remember all the crazy things that we've done? And so it's not going to get any less crazy this morning. So I'm just telling you, get ready for everything God has planned for you. But we want this to be your place of home because we believe and we know that the presence of the Father is here. Homelessness is this. It's the absence of the presence of the Father, and whether it be this house here, this church house, or your physical home that you're about to leave and go to here in just an hour or so, is the presence of the Father there? Because if the presence of the Father is not there, even what you go to called your home is not a home. If you go there and the presence of the Father isn't there, it's not a home, it's a house that you're trying to build and be protected by four walls that can be torn down by everything imaginable. But where the presence of the Father is, it's a home. And his protection resides, and his love resides, and his grace resides. And so we want this to be a place of home. And so this morning as we begin this message, we got to realize three things. i got three chairs up here. The first one says, homeless and lost. And there is a world out there that is homeless, and they're lost. They don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. i got a second chair here, and it says, homeless and slaves. And we got to realize this morning that many of us have had an encounter with Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we've become born again. We've had an encounter with Christ. But we've never exp uh, experienced the spirit of sonship. 
We got born again, but we didn't receive sonship. So therefore, we are homeless, even though we know Christ. We're not sons. We act as slaves in the kingdom of God. And the third chair I have over here, it says home. Everybody say home. And it says sonship. Everybody say sonship. And as we go through this morning's message, these three chairs are going to be pivotal for you to experience the power of God in your life. Because whether we realize it or not, all everybody in the world sits in one of these three chairs. Everybody in the world sits in one of these three chairs. We are either home and we have experienced sonship. We've had an encounter with Christ, but we never experienced sonship and we don't reside at home. Therefore, we're born again, but we're homeless and we're slaves. And I believe, uh, as some stats have said, and it's pretty accurate, this represents 93% of the body of Christ. That, that, that we truly know Christ as Lord and Savior. We're born again, but we haven't experienced sonship. And we're working to achieve rather than being a son and simply learning how to receive the power of God. And then we have the majority of the world over here that's homeless and lost because they do not know Jesus Christ, have never had an encounter with God. And the big issue is, is we have 93% of the body of Christ trying to give this percentage of the world an encounter with God, but they can't give them an encounter with the Father because they're homeless themselves. And so we're resting on 3 or 7% of the body of Christ to reach this part of the lost and dying world, this part of the body of Christ, which is 93%, with the love of the Father. Do you see how pivotal it is to get out of this chair to this chair, but definitely out of this chair to this chair if we're ever going to see a movement of God take place in America today. If you're with me, say amen. I hope that was revolutionary to you. I put three chairs up here because I wanted you to see it. I wanted you to realize how few of us literally operate from that chair over there. And, and I'll tell you something this morning. I've lived most of my Christian life, and I still live a lot of it from this chair right here. Now, I live a lot of it from right here. And, and, and I'm going to brag on him just for a second because there's somebody in this church who lives their life greatly from right here. And we always give them a hard time about it because we say, man, you're crazy. You do all this crazy stuff. It's like it's just the power of God flows through them like never before. Damon Wilkes does an awesome job living from this life right here. Knowing the love of the Father. Experiencing it. Receiving the power of God. Laying his hands on folks. I mean, watching miracles take place. You ought to hear some of the miracles happen in rage. Amen. I mean, he does a great job from living out this chair right here. And it, gets, it upsets a lot of you religious folks. Even your religious pastor, once in a while, I shake my head and say, oh, Lord Jesus, how am I going to make this right with the church? And it's not my job to make it right with the church. It's my job to get out of my religion into sonship. And so we must begin to understand we live our lives from one of these three chairs. And as we live our lives from these three chairs, this verse is key. When the older son is talking about in the story of the prodigal son, it's at the very end. You need to go read Luke 11 through chapter 15, verses 11 through 31. But this is uh, Luke 15, uh, verse 29. And he answered his father. And this is the NIV version. He said, look, father, all these years I have been slaving in your house. He was in his house all these years, but he never experienced sonship. See, the heartbreaking thing is, I wonder what the father thought when every day his oldest son would go out and work with the slaves rather than sit with him and learn how to be a son and a steward. I wonder if it broke the father's heart just as bad when his rebellious son left and went out and experienced the world that the other son was so religious, he went out and worked with slaves, and he was slaving rather than 
sunning. And a lot of us in our life, we wake up and we say, God, I do all these amazing things for you. I work for you. I do this in the church for you. I feed your people. I feed my sheep. I get up early and I'm a greeter and I'm an usher. And we, we bring down this laundry list of things we bring before God. And you're saying, God, all these years I've been slaving in your kingdom. Why can't I get a bone? Throw me something. When God's up there saying, there's work to be done in my kingdom, but you don't do it as a slave. Because as a slave, you're working in your own power. As a son, you're working in my power. As a slave, you're working in your own abilities. As a son, you're working in my abilities. As a slave, you're trying to make something out of the earth. As a son, you're bringing heaven to earth. And you see the power of God begin to transform people's lives. And so, as you sit in the first chair, you walk in a place of supernatural. You walk in a place of supernatural and your son's... Of the Most High God, when you walk in this chair, you're walking in the natural. You're walking from the supernatural, and you're walking in the natural now, and you're homeless. And when you're in this chair, you're walking in rebellion, and you're homeless. From this chair over here, healing is a promise. Can I get an amen? amen. From this chair right here, healing is a problem. Let me repeat that. From this chair here, healing is a promise. And as a son, you receive the promises of God. From this chair here, healing is a problem. You're finding, trying to figure out, how do I get healed? So, do you see the difference between sonship and slavery? When you're a son, it's a promise and you get to receive it. When you're a slave, it becomes a problem because you're trying to figure out how to achieve it. And when you're in this chair, you have no access to it. Unless somebody from chair one touches your life. From this chair over here, you have habitation. You live here. You abide in this place. From this chair here, you have an occasional visitation once in a while. You had the visitation when you got born again, but then you went back to uh, here. See, when you had the original visitation and got born again, you should have made your visitation a habitation. And when you make it a habitation, you're a son. But a lot of us went over here, we had a visitation, and we came back here. And we live as slaves because we never receive sonship along with the presence of the Father and being born again. And over here, you haven't experienced it at all. Over here, you're anointed. Over here, you're annoying. Think about the religious people in your workplace that say they believe in Jesus, they love him, they preach about him all day, but don't have actions to follow it up. I hear Christians say it all that. Man, they get on my nerves. Even lost people say, that gets on my nerves. But when a truly anointed person of God comes in, the lost don't say they get on my nerves. The lost are attracted to them. That's why sinners ran to Jesus. That's why the slaves hated Jesus. Because he was walking in anointing and people loved him. They were walking in annoying and people hated him. Come on. Are, are, are you tracking with me this morning? I got... We got to get we got to get get this down. Over here, you can be prophetic because you hear the voice of God. Over here, you try to make something out of the Word of God and you become pathetic. And over there, you're just wondering what the Word of God is. What do I mean by that? Because many times we operate from this chair here, and we say, "Oh, I'm going to pray the Word of God over you, and nothing happens," and you look pathetic. It's because you're operating from a slave. And remember, healing's not a problem, promise anymore. It's a problem. 
So you're hoping by your prayers and enough religious talk that God will hear you and his power will come and somebody will be healed because of your religiousness. And I'll give you an example. God is not deaf. You don't have to pray louder to have a healing occur. But religious people, religious people, because they're trying to work up their faith. Come on, I'm going to work my... Oh, Lord Jesus, I believe you have sent your son, Jesus. I thank you, God, that you're the healer. Is that for them or for you? If you've got to conjure up all that mess to pray for somebody, you don't need to pray for them. Because you're trying to, at one moment in life, sit here as a slave and say, oh my goodness, i got to do healing. I've got to get habitation. i got to have the anointing, so i got to jump to this chair. But I'm really living in this chair, so i got to have a visitation so something can happen. Because if I don't, I'm going to look pathetic and not prophetic. Did you understand what I'm talking about? 93% of the body of Christ operate from here. Even Pentecostal charismatics. <laughs> You don't just get loud, you get loud in tongues. <laughs> Come on. Some of y'all are afraid to amen on that because you're scared you had a Pentecostal sitting beside you. Come on. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm telling the truth of the matter. I'm telling the truth of the matter. Hey, listen, I believe God hears my tongues, whether it's in English or whether it's in Spanish or whether it's in a prayer language, and it doesn't matter how loud or soft I get. Because some of y'all are like, I pray all the time, driving down the road, and you're like this. What are you doing? I'm talking to God. But when you got to pray in a prayer language, you think it's got to be loud, you got to sweat, you got to spit, you got to. I'm like, Lord Jesus. Ain't nobody want to be under that. I mean, my breath's bad enough after I preach. Give me all that other stuff going on and spitting. Nobody wants that on them. I mean, I'm telling you. And you wonder why lost people in chair three look at this as anointed and this as annoying. Because if you're lost and you haven't had an encounter with God, you're looking, it's like, what do I really want? If 93% of the body of Christ looks like this, I don't want to be like that. But if I can somehow figure out the 7% over here, I'd like to be like that. So therefore, they shy away and stay away because all they see is a big representation of this right here, of what's going on. When you're in this chair, everything is based on faith. You're saved by grace through faith. You're healed by grace through faith. You're born again by grace through faith. You walk out your daily walk by grace through faith. Everything is done by faith. It's all done by grace and through faith. Over here, in this one, everything is fear-based. If I don't read today, God's going to get me. If I don't read today, something bad's going to happen. If I don't pray today, something horrific is going to happen. Everything becomes fear-based. Why? Because you're homeless and the presence of the Father isn't here. This is why the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in God because he is perfect love. And so if you're doing things by fear or obligation or because God's going to get me if I don't do it right, you're never going to accomplish anything. Over here, everything is faith-based. Over here, everything is works-based. Value here is based on who I am, a human being that God loves. I'm not striving or struggling. My value is based on being a human being that God died for. And sent his son for. Over here, your value is based on how much work you can do. How much things I can accomplish. How many things can I get done. If I grow the church big enough, then God will be happy. If I pray long enough, then God will be happy. If I have a quiet time that resembles uh, Pastor Mitch's or Pastor Jeff's, then, then I'll have achieved something. See, your value here is based on what you do. Your value here is based on knowing who you are. Being born again, blood-bought child of the living God. Amen? Amen. And walking in his power.
over here, excuse me, over here, we celebrate, we celebrate victories. And everybody's stock goes up. When somebody in this church gets healed, everybody celebrates it because everybody's stock goes up. There's something really happening at that church. In this chair, when something happens, we ask the question, Sister so-and-so got healed, but God, why not me? I've been praying longer than she has for my foot to get healed. See, over here, we all celebrate it. Stock goes up for everybody because we're sons. When one part of our family hurts, we all hurt. When one part's healed, we're all healed, amen? Over here, you're homeless and you don't understand family, so when sister so-and-so gets healed, you get jealous and say, why not me? I went up to the same business breakthrough prayer line that Pastor Joel was praying for that she did. I went to the same healing line with Pastor Damon as he did. And God, you don't even know what they did last week. Really, he's God. I think he knows what they did last week. I mean, seriously? I mean, do, do you see the difference in chair one and chair two? And you're both born again. It's just here you have visitation, here you have habitation. Here you have sonship, here you have homelessness in every area of your life. The evidence of sonship is peace in your life. Peace of God that means nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace of God that transforms everything. You hear the voice of God when you're in this chair. If you've ever been in this chair hearing the voice of God, and then suddenly you go a time period and you don't hear the voice of God, you need to check if you went from habitation to visitation. You need to check if you went out of sonship into homelessness because you've been wandering a little bit. Or you've embarked on uh, certain lifestyles that, that have pulled you away from God. Okay? And so here you have peace. You hear the voice of God. You rest. And the fruit of the Spirit come naturally. You don't have to ask, act happy because you really do got joy. I told a, per, a couple in counseling this past week, hey, what you see on stage is what you get in my office. I always act like this crazy. <laughs> I always talk this fast and I always get this excited about Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't play games. It's not a game up here, and so I'm somebody different in the office. I'm the same person. And that's what we love about the staff here. We're the same people over here. Some of the fruit of this, and if you find yourself living in this constantly, you realize that you may be homeless and a slave, and you need to come over here to visitation or habitation. You worry. You don't hear the voice of God. Works are a drain on your life. And you don't like to give. You don't like to give of your talents, your gifts, your, your time, your energy, or anything else. And so I wanted to do these three chairs, but the important thing to remember here is this. The actions of the people in this chair and the actions of the people in this chair are almost identical. Even though one is born again and one is lost. Because homelessness is homelessness. Just because this group has had an encounter with God, that's an amazing time. They got born again. Awesome. Praise God. They're going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. But if they never receive sonship, they're either operating in rebellion or religion. And when you're operating in rebellion or religion, your actions end up being the same as this over here. See, the homeless person that's lost doesn't know any better, even though this person says, I believe. This person says, I believe nothing. But your actions look almost the exact same. Why is that possible? How is that possible? Because homelessness is homelessness. Homelessness is where there is an absence of the presence of the Father. See, the difference in a lost person and the person who's a homeless slave is 
when they rebel, if they do it in religion, they hide their drunkenness. If they do it in rebellion, they're, they're, they're blatant about their drunkenness. And if they're lost, they don't care either way. Let's go drink and have fun. Oh, you can give me an amen on that. That's good. Some of y'all, I'm either hitting really hard toes here this morning or... And, and, and here's the thing. We've got to get over this homelessness issue. We've got to experience the presence of the Father in every area of our life. It's funny when I said that, some of y'all literally pulled your chairs out from under your seat. It was funny. Some of y'all literally, I could tell, y'all were literally sitting like this. And I, when I said, am I stepping on toes? And people were like, no. No, you're not stepping on my toes. And like, you're like pulling them out from under the chair. Craziness. I say all this for a reason. When fatherlessness is our identity, we work to be achievers, whether this chair or this chair, born again or lost, homeless is homeless. When fatherlessness is our identity, we, must, we work to become achievers, either through rebellion or religion, either one. When sonship is our identity, we become receivers in the body of Christ. And we watch God do amazing things. Now, we've been doing a lot of family stuff the last three weeks. And so right now, I need four volunteers. If you want to volunteer, shoot your hand up really high. Wow. We got, <laughs> y'all are, all right, I got Bruce. I got Johnny. Did you raise your hand? Sure, Johnny, raise your hand. Lisa and uh, John, your son. What's his name? Jacob, come on up. All right, here we go. Have you guys ever heard of the, Y'all face the congregation. Show them your lovely faces, how awesome they are. Give me a hand clap. Jacob representing Rage up here. We got Johnny Foster. We got Miss Lisa Bruce. We got Mr. Bruce over here. We're excited about what God's doing in their life. Have y'all ever heard of the game Musical Chairs? Have you ever heard of the game Musical Chairs? You know how to play musical chairs? Knock everybody out of the way. Bowling, knock everybody out the way, throw elbows, kick, I mean, slam it down. So what y'all are going to do is y'all are going to walk around the chair. Now, here's the rules. You can't, you, you can't touch the chair, okay? You can't be walking around the chair like this, okay? You, you can't hold your hand on the chair. You got to have your hands behind your back. That's not fair. Yeah, I know, because I know y'all. Hands behind your back, walking in a circle, around the chair. Jason's going to play some music here in just a second. When the music stops, what do you do? Somebody's got to sit in the chair, okay? And, and no throwing Miss Lisa from the stage, okay? This ain't throw mama from the train. It's all right. Yeah, Lisa said I don't need to break a bone. Amen. Come on, I'm telling you, Lisa. Lisa gonna start scratching and clawing. Y'all want to see? Some, come on. All right, Jason, key up some music for me this morning. All right, walk hands behind your back. Chicken dance, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Hey, we're family. Everybody do the chicken dance if you can do it. I don't know the chicken dance. Dun, 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 dun. Sit. Get it, Lisa. Get it, girl. Come on. All right, all three of y'all stay just like that. Stay just like that. Here's the thing. This is how many of us operate in our life. Yeah, jump on in here. Jump on in here, Jacob. Get on in there. This is how many of us operate in our life. Y'all stay standing just for a minute. 
We find the place of sonship. We see it. We experience it. Okay? But the problem is we're so used to being slaves wandering around the chair. We don't have this as habitation where we always sit. It's visitation. And it's not until the music stops or a problem happens that we press into sonship or the throne room of God and say, I've got to find my seat again. I've got to find my seat again. And here's the bigger problem. All of us got the same problem sometimes. So we all think because we're homeless, we're fighting over the same seat. When, when, when we don't realize, guys, don't you realize all that the Father has is yours? There's way more than one chair. There, everyone has their own chair of sonship, and you must learn to sit in it and stay there and not have visitation but have habitation and don't wait for the music to stop. I mean, come on now. Y'all give them a big hand clap this morning, amen? Hey, y'all give yourselves a big hand clap for doing the chicken dance. I love it. Ain't no telling what you're going to see at TWBC, I'm just saying. And you want to know why I like to do crazy stuff once in a while? Here's why. Because at home, you do crazy stuff. At home, me and my kids, we do crazy stuff. I mean, if I do this right here to my son and, and do my hand like that, Aaron starts running and freaking out because he thinks Tickle Monster is going to get him. But that's home. He, he understands daddy. <laughs> and even driving down the car, he's like, where's Tickle Monster? Because he thinks it's going to get him. And it does get him <laughs> every day on the way to school. It's our little game we play. When I drop Caleb off, that's what we do. Now, here's the thing. Sonship is a place of habitation. It's not a place that you visit. It's a place that you come in and stay. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for God's people. And what they're talking about here is Jesus being greater than the law. There remains a Sabbath rest for God's people. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his own personal works as God did his. Do you realize this? When God created man, and this isn't part of my message, I'm throwing it in there, and i got to hurry because I'm only halfway done and i got four minutes. Now here's the thing. Did you realize this? That when God created man on what day? Six. Okay, I'm helping you out here. Six. God created man on the sixth day. The first thing man saw the father do is rest. Oh, see, some of y'all missed that. The first thing man saw his father do is rest from his works. He set that as an example, that when we are in right relationship and in sonship, we can rest from our physical religious works because we have a home and a father who is going to take care of us. It doesn't mean that there are not things to be done in the house, but it does mean that we can rest from our straining and our striving and our struggling, trying to become something, trying to work to achieve something, because God says you don't have to work to achieve it. You're my son. Go ahead and just receive it and do the works that Jesus did. Amen. Jesus said this, John 6, 29, and Jesus answered them, the work of God is that you believe in him who he has sent. And when Jesus gave his great commission, all power or all authority in heaven has been given unto me. Therefore, you go. Whenever Jesus laid his hands on somebody to heal him, did you see him straining and struggling and 
going before God saying, oh, God, we got to see your power. We got to get some disciples start praying for me. I'm fixing to go down. No. Jesus walked up to the blind man. He said, hey, do you want to be healed? Well, yeah, I've been screaming, Jesus, the Nazareth. And he said, okay, let me spit on the ground, make some mud, rub it on your eyes, go wash yourself. And it, you didn't see any of this physical religious exertion coming out of him. But you did see power because he walked in authority over the things of the world. Sonship walks in authority. Authority is greater than power, okay? Authority is so much greater than power. When you walk in authority, you have the power. When you walk in power, you don't necessarily have the authority. Big difference. So you must walk in the authority as a son of God in every area of your life. Now, see, here's the thing. Because as a son, because I know I belong, and they're going to throw this on the screen, because I know I belong and I'm a son and have entered into rest, I believe the promises of my father. Therefore, I behave and have corresponding actions of how I believe because I know I belong. Some of y'all need to take out your phone and take a picture of that. Remind yourself of it all week long. Because when I know I belong as a son and have entered into rest, I can believe the promises of the father and my actions then have corresponding actions. My behavior has corresponding actions because... I know how I believe because I know I belong. Okay? And you have to read that about 20 times before it starts setting in your spirit. That's what I'm saying. Take a picture of it, really. I mean, take your phone out and take a picture of it. Put it on Facebook. I mean, share it with somebody. Now, here's the thing. Chair number two has cognitive head knowledge that he's a son, but has not entered into the rest of sonship. So many of us, 93% of us sit here thinking, I'm a son, I'm a son, I'm a son, and you're trying to talk yourself into it. No. You have cognitive head knowledge, but if you haven't made this habitation, you simply always end up in visitation. And that's all the Pharisees knew, that's all old covenant people knew, because they could only visit the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. They only had visitation. Jesus came and said, I'm fixing to redo your visitation you're no longer divorced from God. You don't have visitation rights. You now are a son of God. You have habitation rights. Where Jesus said, I'm going to go because my father wants habitation rights. And he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you forever. And that's way better than me in person. Come on now. Get with me on that. We must begin to understand. When I know I belong as a son has entered into rest, I believe the promises of the father. Therefore, I behave have corresponding actions of how I believe because I belong. We must begin to operate from that part of our life. Chair two acts to gain acceptance and approval. Listen to this. Chair two operates in the exact opposite of chair one. See, we belong, therefore we believe, therefore we behave. Chair two says, I'm going to behave so then maybe I can believe, and if I'm behaving right, then it'll influence my believing right, then maybe one day I can achieve and belong somewhere. Do you see how broken this slave mentality, homeless mentality is? 
Because we're always sitting here thinking, if I behave just right, God will love me. And if I behave just right, then, then, then I'll start believing just right. And if I can just believe and I can be like that man, God help me overcome my unbelief. If I can just believe, then I'll finally belong and be in the house of God. No. It's heartbreaking. Sunday after Sunday. To see people striving to belong. When because of the blood of Jesus, you already do belong. When because of the blood of Jesus, you're already in as family in your life. Both chair one and chair two are believers, and many times only chair, walk, only chair one walks in the power of sons. Because everything in the kingdom must be received, not achieved. This is why chair one's home and sonship are so effective at re reaching chair threes. Because they show authentic love of the Father to the lost. Our heart is that this becomes home. Where people with sexual addictions and sexual problems come in. And they experience the true love of the Father and sonship. And the homeless lost don't become homeless slaves. But they become home and sons and daughters of God. Where the religious person who has given up on God because their religion just isn't working for them anymore experiences the love of God through home and sonship, and they no longer operate as a homeless slave that once believed, but operate from a place of belonging and truly believe in every area of their life. People ask me this all the time. It's the biggest question you're going to have today. How do I get from this chair to this chair? How do I move from visitation to habitation. And how do I stay in habitation? How do I move from this chair to this chair? From this chair to this chair? From this chair to this chair? Because we fight it all the time. We jump over, but then we jump back, and we jump over, and we jump back. How do I jump over here and stay? Here is the key to this whole message. It's the key, so write it down. Get your pens and paper out. Get ready, because if you will do these three things, it'll change your life. If you receive, you will become, and if you become, then you can release. So write down, receive, become, release. Receive, become, release. Say this with me. Receive, become, release. The scripture Jesus said here is in Mark 10, 29. It says, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord, and he is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Stop right there. That's not the answer, okay? But I got to prove something. Because chair here, chair two, homeless and slaves, is good at this first commandment. They love the Lord their God with all their heart. They work their butt off to make him happy. They really do love him. They love him. They love him. They love him. They'll even die for him. But they're dying in homeless and slaves, not sons. So they really do love him. Chair one really does love him. They passionately love him. But they've learned how to receive from him. The key to all this is this verse. The second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Now here's the key. Chair two has a big problem. Loving themselves the way God loves them. This is what keeps you homeless. Pastor, I can love 
people and I can love God, but I can't love myself the way God loves me. I know what I've done and God knows what I've done and I receive his salvation by grace. But for me to love myself the way God loves me and for me to accept me as for who I am, broken and lost and hurt and sinful and addiction driven and depression ridden and everything else, I can't love this person. I hate this person. I hate being like this. Paul struggled with the same thing. He said, those things that I do, I don't want to do. And those things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. I'm a wretched man. He struggled with it too. People in this chair hate themselves. And that's why you're trying to work to do better, to become better, to prove to somebody something. And if you will learn to love yourself in the midst of your tragedy and love yourself right where you're at, broken and hurt, then you can re receive the love of God. When you can receive the love, then you can become a son and then you can release the love of the Father. But if you don't ever get out of this chair and you don't receive the love of the Father and love yourself the way He loves you unconditionally just as you are, you'll never get out of this chair and you'll die going to heaven but hating yourself. And that's a miserable life to live. I've done it way too long. Hate the things I'm not good at. Try to become better than somebody because of my insecurities. I, I've lived this life. It's miserable. But when I would receive, God loves Joel just the way that he is. Short, 5'8", red face, sweating when he preaches. Texas accent, as much as he tries to deny it. Come on, that's a good thing. I didn't say it was bad. And if I will learn to love me, I'm not saying love my problems, love my addictions, love my, my isms, my depression, whatever it is, but love me as a human being the way God loved me and gave his son for me. When I can receive that kind of love and love myself the way God loves me, then when I receive that love, I can become that son because Jesus loved himself the way the father loved him. And he became that son to show us what it would look like when we would receive the love of the Father. We could become like his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And it's not something that I would have to try to do. It's something that we receive because over here you work to achieve. Over here you're sons, so you receive. you got to receive that love. Then you can naturally become or supernaturally become. And when you become, then you can give it. The answer to the whole message of everything you've seen this morning, from visitation to habitation, is not somebody else. It's you. It's me. And I've got to learn to love myself with my quirks and everything else because God loved me just the way I was. In fact, God loved me even at a worst state. He loved me before I had the blood of Jesus. And if he loved me at my very worst... Bless God, I can love me as a born-again person. If he loved me at my very worst point, God, then I can love me with where I'm at. When I receive it, then I can become it. Then it's easy to release it. This is why I believe if the, if the story of the prodigal son had an ending, I believe that the son that came home from rebellion finally knew what it was to be a son. And I believe his whole life would have been transformed. I, there's no theology. There's no story. The story doesn't end. 
But I believe because he's, he experienced the love of the Father when he was at his very worst. From that day on, he was not be at his very worst. In fact, all his works wouldn't come from a slave, but they would come from a true son. And everything he did from this point on as a son was out of great love for the Father because of all the Father did. And he would live his life not out of works-based, but out of love to make his daddy happy. Oh, my desire is that I'm I'll be honest, I'm in the midst of moving chairs. Okay, we're we're always going to be in the midst of moving chairs. But oh, the quicker you can get here, the quicker you can get here. And I don't care how young or how old you are, you need to begin to love yourself the way the father loves you and gave everything for you and begin to watch what God can do. And I'm going to close with this statement right here. The moment you believe in Jesus, you get born again or saved. The moment you believe in Jesus, you get born again or saved. The moment you realize the Father believes in you, you get transformed. The moment you believe in Jesus, you get born again. Hallelujah, it's the greatest experience you've ever had. But the moment you believe the Father believes in you, or you know the Father believes in you, you'll never live the same again. My daddy believes I can walk on water, so I'm finna go try. My daddy believes. My daddy believes. My daddy believes. My daddy believes. My daddy believes I can heal the sick, so I'm going to go do it. My daddy believes I can go around the world and preach the gospel, so I'm going to go do it. My daddy believes in me. And when you got the backing of daddy, whoo, come on now. When you got the backing of the father, all things are possible to those who believe.